So I'm going to pick up where we uh, left off, uh, or, or the, not where we left off, where we're going to start, but uh, as Chris covered, and you're familiar with seeing this particular thing. So we're going to start with what we would call as the, the patriarch, patriarchal age, or the age, uh, patriarchal dispensation, the age of the fathers. Uh, Chris noted that it was a family religion. Um, we're going to be in the first two series. Uh, so today and next week, we will be staying in the age of fathers. And roughly as uh, noted last time, this is a timeline, and we'll be in the first 2,500 years. Important thing to know about that, if God wanted something done, he went to the elder or the patriarch of the head of the house. Hold, and he'd say, no, I want you to go and do this. Take your family and go do this. Or uh, Abraham, Abraham, I need you to go and do this with your family. That's just the way he communicated to people. Then ultimately we're going to get into the uh, next 1,500 years, the age of Moses. Uh, that's when we'll see that uh, there, uh, what we refer to as the old law or Old Testament law. Previously in this first age there was not a written law. We'll see there it becomes a written law. Uh, a national, it became more of a national religion. Uh, that, it involved a special nation that we know uh, the people of Israel, God's people. And... Uh, you'll still hear that referred today, especially those who practiced and, and involved still the Old Testament law as part of their faith. And then we know that we move into the age of Christ. So all of until that time, uh, we know that he is on his way. Now he is here. And uh, then we'll spend several studies in the age of Christ where it will begin with his death, burial, the life of Christ, death, burial, resurrection, ascension of Christ, where we ultimately will see that he, Jesus, he replaced the law of Moses with his new law, the New Testament law. It's what we have today. Um, so now we would think of that as an international law or a world law. Anyone, anywhere, any nation uh, or nationality of people can be a part of God's people. And that's been going on for the last 2,000 years plus. And so we'll again here start uh, with in the age of the fathers in Genesis 1 and in the beginning. And then we'll eventually move into, the, into that, uh, into these pieces here. So, here we go. On the age of uh, the fathers, we start where we ought to start, right in the very first sentence of the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So, one of the things I like to ask when I'm doing this study is, what do you think God was doing before that, before this? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. What was God doing before that time? Hmm. Well... Hmm, that's usually what you get with people, right? You know what? Bible doesn't say. Bible doesn't tell us. So anytime you hear people speculating or pontificating about what they think, just realize their idea is probably about as good as your idea. Because the Bible doesn't say. Our guess could probably lead us to maybe say it probably wasn't anything bad. It was probably good if anything was happening. But that's about as far as we could probably go with what God was doing. So one thing as we go through the next 10 weeks of study, I believe you will see, trust you will see, is everything we're going to study is going to come straight from the Bible. We're going to take things for what they say. We're not going to do a lot of, well, my ideas, I believe this is what was happening here. We're not going to deal with Matt's ideas or Yancey's theories or, or Dusty's beliefs. Everything's going to come straight from the Bible. And I would say one thing when you sit and study with people, it is important for them to know that when you're studying with them, 
that's what your focus will be. If they bring something to you, challenge them. Ask them to challenge you. Ask them to question you. I've had times where I had to go back and let me think on that. I will get back with you. Right now, I can't provide you that answer, but I know it's in here. And that's an okay thing. But you want to know we're only going to go to the Bible as a source. So how do you know God created the heavens and the earth? How do you know? Here's how. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which were seen were not made of things which were visible. Now, I want you to think about that for a moment. How do we know that God created the heavens and the earth? And I'm sorry, I'm going to... I peeled out a piece of my eye this morning, changing out contacts, so I cannot see back there, and I'm going to do this a lot. I'm kind of working on one eye right now. <clears throat> How do we know? You know, there weren't cameras or video recorders back in then. There was no satellite sitting there being able to record in the beginning. None of us were here. Nobody, we've not ever known anybody that's lived long enough to, to be able to share that story. So how do we know? Right here. Ever asked yourself this question? How do I really know? When, when you start doing stuff, sometimes the last question, and you'll almost go, yeah, how do I know? <laughs> Ever been asked by someone else? Likely, probably you have. You know, well, the simple answer is faith. Faith is very important concept going throughout these studies. Faith is a concept we have to understand. So what is faith? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Hmm. Here's the simplest way I can think of to understand it. Either we believe it or we don't. <laughs> Either you believe it or you Into my pocket, I'm going to pull out something. I'm going to tell you I have a jump drive in my hand. Did you see me do that? Do you know if I have a jump drive in my hand? Anyone believe it? You want to have faith that I have a jump drive in my hand? You know what the evidence is? Right here. I can prove to you I had a jump drive in my hand. That's the way you ultimately have to get someone. When you talk about faith with someone, it's eventually going to come down to God's, it, it's in the Bible. That's what God said, and I'm going to believe what he said. The evidence is, I said so. All throughout the Bible, we're, we're able to point back to the time when God said, said something, and we have to accept that as evidence. When people ask you, or you even say, yeah, why do I believe this? The simple and only answer through study is because the Bible, God said so. And that's our faith. And I'll tell you, some people really struggle with that basic concept. You know what my answer is? We're going to stay right here on this until you get comfortable with that's how it's going to be. Because I can tell you, this if you can't take this one verse and believe it, why in the world would you waste any more of your time reading or studying or believing what else is in the rest of this Bible? <laughs> because it's all going to be based on your faith and belief. 
Nine times in Genesis, first part of Genesis, God said something every time it happened. None of us were there in the beginning. You know what we woke up to this morning? A sunrise. <laughs> we get to see the earth. We get to see all these things that God created. You know what that is? Our faith through evidence that that's come true. That these happened because he put them in place. Eventually we'll come down to a place in uh, Genesis 1 and 26. We talk about the image of God. The Bible said God was going to make man in his image. So he had made all these things. And he comes to a point where he says, I'm going to make man. What does that mean? Well, I guess it means he made us in his image. Made us with a head and a nose and mouth and two ears and two eyes. Body and two arms, two pants, two legs, two feet. Got a heart and liver and a stomach and lungs. Kidneys, we've got blood pulsing through our veins. Well, no, that can't be right. That can't be it, right? Come on, we all know chimpanzees have two eyes and two legs and two arms and kidneys and a heart and blood pulsing through their veins. So he must just be talking about humans. Well, that seems right too. But you know, there are people, there are children born every day that are missing legs, missing limbs, arms. Would that mean they weren't made in the image of God? There are people that every day have parts of their body removed. They'll have an appendix removed. Well, that wouldn't be in the image of God now, would it? I guess you could say that's maybe one way. I used to joke that maybe it's one way you get separated from God. Just <laughs> start having pieces removed. No, that's not what it's about. You see, we're not talking about, when it talks about the image of God, it clearly cannot be that he's talking about the image of God. We're different. We're a different person. Here's what, or a different uh, creation. God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. <laughs> our soul. So, he's not talking about our physical body. He's talking about, our, he's talking about a spiritual image when he talks about we were made in, the, in his image, a spiritual image. <clears throat> Matthew 20, 10, 28 says, And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. And the, do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. You know, a few weeks ago, a gunman walked into a church Christ over in Fort Worth. They were in worship services, just like we are this morning. He killed two people within a matter of seconds that he was killed. What did that man kill? You think he killed their soul? He might have thought that's what his intent might have been to do that. I don't know. But what he killed was the bodies of two men. Physical bodies. That's what this is saying. All you can do is kill my body. But you can't get to me. The real me is my soul. And you can't get to that. But I'll tell you one, person that can, one thing that can. And that's God. Only God can do that. You see this is why we. As humans. 
in our spiritual nature, in our spiritual image of God, are different than animals. Let's see if I still have this pulled up on my... Uh, yes, I do. <laughs> don't you love Facebook? I really don't. I don't. I really... <laughs> if you ever try to get me on Facebook, uh, you probably don't... If I don't respond, it's just... I like to... I'll check it every now and then because of the humor. But I love one. Here's a good one. I grew up in Louisiana. This is from a good friend named Dixie. you got to start there. Our sweet Carly... Joe, J-E-A-U-X, boy, I missed that from Louisiana. <laughs> our, our sweet Carly Joe, uh, Joe joined her sister, Daisy May, in heaven yesterday. I am so happy for them both. They both live very long and peaceful lives and definitely part of our family for as long as Chloe can remember. They are both dearly missed, and this will take a lot of getting used to. Personally, I personally imagine Daisy having met Carly at the gates of heaven, and that surely makes me smile. Now, you're not going to be able to see that, but that is a picture of a dog. And I can tell you, I can scroll for several minutes, finding all the responses. Sad day for you and your house. These are people I know. <laughs> Sad day for you and your house, but a great day in heaven for a love that God sent to earth for you to enjoy and has now come home. Next one. So sorry for y'all, Dixie, but hope for her. She is running with her sister in heaven. Are you kidding? <laughs> I would respond, but it would just invoke bad things. <laughs> I love them, but I say that to people, simple facts uh, just get confused. The reason why we're unique is because we have a soul. You know, I will say I have a little pet cemetery down in the we back up to uh, the lake, Ray Hubbard, and we have some woods, about 300 feet of woods between us and the lake, and we found a nice little uh, place where we have a pet cemetery um, that we created. We can see this area from our breakfast area and our family room and our, and our master bedroom. And it's very, it was very intentional. I love dogs. We love dogs. My kids love dogs. It's a relationship that hopefully many of you have. You know, we, we, we specifically created that at a time when I... After we moved in this house 20-something oh, years ago, um, had our first dog uh, in that house pass away, and I decided I'm going to go bury this dog. So we and our kids and my parents, uh, we can go down to this beautiful little setting that sits down by the lake, and it's got big trees, and we can look at the lake and look up back to our house. So we can go down there from time to time and pause and reflect on some great memories we had with those dogs running in the woods. My mom and dad came over recently. They've got one of their dogs down there. Really glad we started that about 18 years ago. And, and I don't know how many more, but we've got several of them down there. Uh, you know, but the one thing I'm confident in, anytime we lost a dog, we didn't go plan a funeral. We don't need to ask, go down there and ask God's blessings on this animal in their afterlife. Why? God created them, but we're unique. And again, I, I, I know everyone in this room believes this, but you believe, uh, you'd be surprised when you sit with people. People struggle over some simple concepts like this, and it's important to, to have them understand by going through Bible uh, studies. Why are they different? Because they don't have a soul. People are different. They were not made in the image of God, and that's what makes us unique. Uh, several years ago, I traveled to India uh, through work, one of my employees is an Indian. She, uh, 
She said, hey, I doubt you're going to be driving a vehicle over there, but if you are, if you happen to be on the interstate or any road and hit an animal, get out of the car and run. They will likely kill the driver. You should try to run down, especially if it's a water buffalo or one of the higher esteemed animals over there. Uh, They will likely try to hunt down the driver and kill it, and then they will go have a funeral for that water buffalo. That's just the way things are some places. Matthew... uh, 1626, what profits it is to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? What will a man give in exchange for his soul? It's very important uh, that we understand about our soul. It's what we should be concerned with because I guarantee you God is. One main thing in, that, uh, in life that you and I need to be concerned with when we die is that God is going to directly deal with our soul. He could really care less about our body. So all throughout the Bible, uh, God has established priorities. These are the priorities. Relationships with God, yep, that's our soul. Relationship with family, relationship with others. We can see evidence where God, uh, in a few chapters up from this, uh, where we're studying now, is where he goes in Isaac, and he says, hey, Isaac, I want you to go and do these things. What does Isaac do? He drops down, and he sets up and builds an altar develops his relationship with God. He pitches a tent, takes care of the family, and he starts his servants digging a well. And then his relationship. We'll see order of priorities all throughout the Bible as we go through these, uh, these next phases. <clears throat> I'll tell you, it's something that we often need to be reminded out about. I need to be. Because a lot of us can sometimes get these priorities confused. We'll get job before family or family before God. You know what? What happens in that? Every time we do that, likely things get out of whack. They start causing problems. But God established these priorities for a reason, and he wants us to understand and follow them. And again, we're going to see that uh, as we go through these studies. I'm going to jump into the Garden of Eden. Uh, in Genesis uh, 2, beginning of the 15th chapter, the Bible says, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. So after God created man, he put them in the garden of Eden. He gave them two commands. I want you to dress and eat, uh, dress and keep it. And over here, uh, you got lovely things over here, and you got one little thing. Enjoy all the trees, but don't eat from this tree, this one right here. Well, what do you think they struggled with? (laughs) Wasn't all the things they had freedom to do, the things they couldn't. Often like we struggle with. We introduce a new concept also. Um, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the free fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. So we see that God gave a consequence. You do all this, thou shalt surely die. We follow that. Here we read, Satan enters the picture. Hey, you guys got a nice place here. Love this garden. Beautiful place. Did I happen to hear that right? Do you have all this lovely garden full of trees, but you can't eat from every one of them? And what did Eve respond? Yep. 
Well, we can eat of all the fruit of the trees uh, in the garden, with the exception of just this one right here. Did you notice kind of how he's questioning her? Questioning her understanding almost. Like, does that really make sense? And look how she responds. Because it gets, seems to get Eve a little off balance. Because she replies, yep, God said we can't eat of this tree. In fact, we can't even touch this one, lest we die. So let's stop and take a look at this. Is that what God said? God didn't say that. Now, do you think God was trying to trick Eve up and, and get her confused? I'll tell you again, this is where people get tricked up and confused in their faith today. A lot of religions, faiths today, want you to follow not only God's rules, they want to introduce some of their own. Man's rules, or their rules or interpretations. And when we start changing what God has said, adding our ideas, our rules, our understandings, you can bet there's going to be problems. Satan took full advantage of it. That's what he did. He said, <laughs> You shall not surely die. Then the servant said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Look how good that sounds. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. What just happened right there? Eve believed a lie. She was deceived straight up. She never, I don't think she saw it coming. Didn't appear. I believe she really believed what the serpent, Satan, devil told her. She didn't think she was going to die. So this introduces a, a concept that again will be important throughout these studies. Sincerity. Just being sincere in something doesn't equal believing the truth. Just being sincere isn't enough. We believe a lie. That's exactly what we did. We believed a lie. My kids will tell you, I used to tell them all the time when they were trying to convince, and I'm sure we all did this with our parents, like, can we just go out and do this? No. Oh, but our friend says it'll be safe and all this. And I used to have a word... In our house, we called that rationalizing. Rational lies. <laughs> Stop rationalizing that to me. You know, they might have really believed nothing could go wrong, but we might have believed differently. And so all the sincerity in the world did not necessarily equal truth. I, bought, I might believe with all my heart that Danny is a great heart surgeon. And if I ever needed heart surgery and Danny meets me at the hospital and scrubs in and says, you're good to go. Let's get you under some anesthesia and we're going to get, get this heart surgery going. Everything's going to be just fine. <laughs> Guess what? I just believed a lie. I understood he was a heart surgeon. Later found out he was just an EMS. <laughs> I expanded it. I added to it. Thought he was a heart, so I thought that man he was capable of doing heart surgery. Well, guess what? Simple thing is, I believed a lie, and it's probably going to create a problem. 
you will surely die or you will not surely die. None of you will know these people. This is uh, three of a, uh, the husband is missing in this. This is a good friend of ours. Uh, Katie and her two, friend, uh, uh, her two kids, wonderful people. I've gotten to know them over the years. They own a Vietnamese restaurant out in where we live. I love Vietnamese food. <laughs> uh, Kyle's now hooked on it. Sean loves it. I've got Austin now going to it. It's a great place. I love them to death. I, I, um, I like to, to go up there and hang out with them, neat people. One of the things that's clear when you're in the restaurant, they're Buddhist. <laughs> They've got a little altar and temple set up. Last week, if you're not familiar, we introduced the Lunar Year of the Rat. <laughs> I was asked by her a few weeks ago, hey, would you do me a favor? I really believe you've been placed in my life for a reason. Now, interesting, coming from a Buddhist. <laughs> I want you to, because um, you're up here all the time, and I feel you have uh, good energy for me. She said, would you, be, would you mind coming in early this coming Saturday morning before I open the restaurant and help participate in some things? And roughly, and I'm not going to share with you all the details, but, but it's roughly celebrating New Year, but they, have, they look at it as a, uh, the things that you do in the first part of the day of the year, it, it's prosperous. It's about prosperity and prosperous times and good health and all of that. And so I said, you know what? She said, I'm going to need to give you some things, and you're going to come back in and be my first customer, and we're going to open the door, and we're going to throw water into the door, and you're going to give me these money things. I'm not going to every detail. You want more afterwards? I'll tell you about it. But <clears throat> she also said, "Would you also like to, after that, go down to the temple with me?" <laughs> I knew this lesson was coming up. I sure would. <laughs> and uh, and again, I love these people, and they they are wonderful uh, folks. But in their religion, as you can see, we're in the garden. I don't know which goddess that is, but as she did when she went up to it and had incense and there was an altar and she prayed. I don't know if it's in the, that particular picture. There's inside the temple. I've never been inside a temple and I have. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But I didn't participate. Took my shoes off and went in and watched. Isn't that incredible? There's a lot of altars. There's fruit trees. There's a lot of things over there. There's people praying and kneeling. You can go up and you can't see all the detail, but a lot of different things that you can pray to. You know what? They're very sincere in their religion. Very sincere. They just don't believe in Christ. They don't have a problem, in fact. In fact, I've often told her, I'm going to pray for you. Because uh, we talk about things a lot, but I'm, I'm working on her. <laughs> she and her husband. But all the sincerity in the world doesn't translate to truth. It doesn't make it right. And people all the time mistake their sincerity for truth. You see, this is important to us because the Bible also says, you shall not add to the word which I command you, nor take from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you. The very first sin that was caused was by somebody adding or changing God's word. Jesus said, no one comes to the Father but, my, but by me. Where does that fit in with Buddhist or Hindus, which I've been over there and watched that practice. That's a very lost world. Uh, Mormons, where does all that come in? 
nowhere because none of these faiths teach this. Only those who believe in, in Christ can be saved through Jesus Christ. The only way to go to our Father, he says, no one comes to the Father but by me. So the only way to go to our Father must be through the pure word and only the word of God. God said what he meant, meant what he said. You heard that last week through Chris. And again, that's going to be true all the, way, all the way through these studies. He always has and he always will mean that. Galatians 6, 1, 9. Marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. Which is not another, but if there are some who trouble you and want to promote the gospel of Christ, but even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than that which we have preached you, let him be accursed. He said, the Bible says, even if an angel comes in and preaches to you, get rid of him. It's important enough that God closes the Bible. Revelation 22 says, if anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life. You think that's important to God that we don't add or take away from the word? He says, do what I say. And you're going to find again, that's one of the main themes. You're going to see throughout our studies. God is plain and simple with what he wants his people to do. And this will remain true in the age of the fathers, the age of Moses, in the age of Christ, and up through today. Well, <clears throat> all this has happened, and uh, God, God roughly gets frustrated. So I'm tired of all this. I don't like all the things that have been done, and again, we won't go back and read all this, but he says, I'm going to put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed and he shall bruise your head and he shall, you shall bruise his heel. We're going to jump forward for the sake of time. We know he's on his way. We're going to move into this, uh, quickly into the story of Cain and Abel. Two guys come to worship God and God looks at Abel and Cain and he likes what Abel has brought as an offering. Why do you think God accepted Abel's offering. I'm going to read this. And Abel was keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of, of the firstborn of his flock of, and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. Bible gives us some particular hints of maybe why he selected one or the other. I, I've maybe got my reasons. You know, the fruit off the ground, you eat it, and one and done, and that fruit's going to produce, that tree's going to produce another fruit. When you give up the firstborn, that's going to not only take the firstborn, it's going to cost you over time. There's a sacrifice involved. I don't really know. That's my perspective, and I'll leave it at that. But uh, we don't know. Bible doesn't go into much more detail why he, expect, why he accepted. But what we do know is he accepted Abel's sacrifice. Bible says, by faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying his gifts, and through it being dead, still speaks. So all we know is the Bible says Abel brought a more excellent sacrifice. What we also see is by faith, Abel offered his sacrifice. 
So what we see here is Abel lived and worshipped God by faith, and Cain didn't. He likely thought his offering, Cain, I think, thought his offering was good and acceptable. But what this shows, again, is there are two types of ways people worship God. Either you will worship by faith, as Abel did, or you will worship by conscience, as Cain did. I remind you of the pictures that we just saw with the temple. Both are worshiping a God. Both were worshiping God in this case, they thought. But one, one, which one did God accept? What does it mean to worship by faith? Where do I get my faith? Romans 10, 17 gives us a hint toward that. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if we know there's two types of worship by faith, worship by conscience, we want to clearly know what faith means. Well, what does it mean to worship by faith? Here's your answer. <laughs> hearing the word of God, just like we're doing right now. You know, we often hear faith comes from the heart. And granted, I think a lot of times when statements like that are made, they're meant to be sincere. But you know, I don't need to strengthen my faith. And when I need to strengthen my faith, I want to hear the Word of God. And although I enjoy the beauty that God has created, we don't need to go seeking God in some nature or physical thing. Again, I remind you of the temple and the garden areas and all that. We don't need to pray to some altar physical things. I don't need to go up into a mountain. I love Tahoe. I love Park City, Utah. I love the beaches of Hawaii. I love and all the awesomeness and grandeur that God has created for us to enjoy. But you know what? While I love being out there and I can be thankful for God and all his blessings, that's not where I get my faith. <laughs> we get our faith right here strengthened by the word of God and studying. And we can be thankful for that. So the fact is, no one is going to learn about the Word of God without hearing, studying, and practicing in worship. How do we get better at something? Practice. How do you become an attorney? Like Kyle. You think anybody ever became an attorney by going to the courthouse? Days and weeks and months on end. Go sit in the courtroom just soaking it up. Admiring it. Praying about it. And going home and going... That's going to strengthen my conviction as an attorney. You're not an attorney. and practiced it yet. <laughs> Just be going to the courtroom doesn't make you an attorney. Going to the mountains, going to the ocean doesn't strengthen your faith. You can enjoy it, but... So we don't know exactly what Cain and God specifically asked to Cain and Abel, but what we clearly know is Abel did what God asked and Cain did not. Abel worshiped by faith, Cain by his conscience. Again, this is a problem we see all across the world today, and it was why, and um, I, hope, I hope I haven't uh, exploited a good friend of mine that by, but because we, we clearly know where we stand on things, and I'm working on them. <laughs> but I believe it's a perfect example of what we see, where we see too many people in this world worshiping by their conscience. Their intent is right. Look what I have done. Look what great things I have offered. I can tell you at the temple right now, there's two egg rolls. I asked her the other day, what those are for? And she says, it's an offering. They're going to get bad. <laughs> Lay in there. <laughs> They've been there a week. I was in there last night. 
God just asks us to do the simple things that He's asked us to do. God asks us to simply keep and obey His commandments. He did it in the beginning of time and He still does it today. And we'll learn by hearing and studying. We later are going to read, uh, we later can read where Cain kills Abel, probably like maybe because of jealousy. And what we see after this is things started to turn. And I'm going to read, I forgot to put a, uh, if I can, I'm, if I can, I forgot to put a verse up here, and we're going to close with this. Chapter 6 says, <clears throat> And God saw that the wickedness of man was great to the earth, and, and that every image, imagination of the thoughts of his heart was not only evil, was, was uh, only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man, whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, and the creeping things, and the uh, evil, and the fowls of the air. For it repenteth me that I even made them. God said, I'm just so sick of all this stuff, all that you've done. I'm just going to destroy things and get rid of everything. But verse 8 we read, but Noah found grace. In the eyes of the Lord. And that's where we're going to uh, end our study this morning. I hope you're looking forward to the study as much as I am. And um, you'll see these things being developed and carried forth, I think, throughout all the generations and all the studies. And, um, and we'll see that, uh, again, from things from the first creation, that God is always in control. Says what he means, it means what he says. And he's consistent with that theme and wants us to obey and keep his commandments. Again, I hope you've enjoyed the study and that you'll look for it. I will say this is a series of studies that build upon one another. They're sequential in nature. Uh, please don't miss them. They're, they're, it's important to get all the concepts so you can link all, all of those through from beginning to end. If there's anything we can do for you, we ask you to come while we stand and sing a song of invitation.